Okay, up next, Happy New Year's, everybody. Jordan, Butsy, and Zwick are going to come on. They're going to talk about NFL Week 17, college football playoffs. Then me and Letty are going to come on, and we're going to discuss the OGN and OB trade. So without further ado, here's the music. Welcome back to the couch, everybody. Welcome to a little New Year's pod, boys. We're, we're in the year 2024. Uh, we just saw an amazing weekend of football, both NFL and college. The college football playoff happened. We're here in 24. Butsy still got the headband on. How's everybody's new year going so far? We're two days in. Electric. Love it. That's all I have to say. Electric. This is my, this is my year. <laughs> this is also, this is also my year. Um, This will be the year that um, all my teams win all the games that I want them to win. Mm. And yeah, that's, that's all I can ask for. And you're not asking much, right? You're no, not I'm, I, sh- I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I am. So, yeah. so it's Butsy's year. It's Wick's year. How about it's the year of the couch fellas? How about that? Yes. It's our yes. Year. It's the year of the listeners as well. Yeah. It's everybody's yeah, year. Um, all right. We're going to start with a little college football reaction. We got reactions. We got previews. We got people yelling at refs. We got a lot to talk about on this pod. We're going to start with Michigan versus Alabama in what Jim Harbaugh said could be the game of the century. Um, I don't know if it was that, but it was certainly an electric game. I, as everybody knows, do not usually do college. But when uh, when the playoffs come around, I do like to watch. So I am here for my first college segment of my career here in uh, on the couch. Woo! Yeah. Oh. Quick, I'm going to start with you. What were your uh, what were your big takeaways from this game? Did you have Michigan winning this going into it? I did, and I, I I thought that they were the better team. I was rooting for Bama just personally. I don't like Michigan. I'm just I don't know. I guess I'm a hater, but I just I don't really like Michigan. And I've always liked Nick Saban. I've always liked Bama and Jalen Monroe. Really impressed me the second half of the season, but Michigan was dominant. I mean, Blake Corum is that good. The running game is that good. And the defense is obviously we've talked about it all year is legit. So, yeah, an sure. awesome game. Butsy, yeah, I I did have Michigan winning going into this game. I was kind of hesitant because I think a lot of people were on Bama. Everyone was talking about how good they were playing late in the season. Uh, obviously, the SEC was dominating the Big Ten in bowl games so far, and I think a lot of people were kind of writing off the Big Ten. And saying that it was just kind of ass, and and you know that 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 it's not very strong, which it isn't. Uh, but they do have the best team in the country, and that's Michigan. Uh, and they went out and they proved it. Although this game was, it was, it felt like Michigan had dominated the first half, and then Alabama would dominate the second half, made the halftime adjustments they needed to, and we're going to cruise to a win. But um, you know, it shows a lot about Michigan that they were able to to you know dig deep, especially offensively, uh, throwing the ball, moving it through the air, uh, to get this win. Yeah, I thought. Pretty early on that Michigan, you could tell Michigan was the better team. Obviously, first play of the game, J.J. McCarthy makes a really bad mistake, throws it just up in the air. Alabama guy intercepts it, but was fortunately for Michigan, for Michigan had a foot out of bounds. Um, but after that, I mean, Michigan just controlled the lines on both sides. I thought they kind of pushed Alabama around, which was certainly surprising. 
for me, um, obviously coming and not having seen a lot of college football this year and just assuming that Alabama would have uh, better lines because they always do. But Michigan definitely won up front, I thought. And the fact that they muffed the punt and Alabama scored um, right after that. But other than that, really seemed to struggle to move the ball the entire game. I just thought Michigan looked like the better team. Um, Zwick, what what did you see? I mean, it all it all obviously it all came down to the last play, and I mean we gotta talk about like the bad snaps. I mean, the they had poor snaps. They had two in a row in the third quarter when Alabama was driving, and it completely killed the drive, killed the momentum, and they probably lost out on a, I want to say at least three points because of that. And I mean that's the difference right there. So and we saw it on the fourth and goal. Snap was a little low. QB draw, you know, doesn't really work as well as they were hoping. Yeah. And that's the difference. And it sucks. It sucks for Bama. It sucks for Jalen Milrow. And he was putting up a hell of a season. But Michigan just got the best of them. The D-line is way too good. Yeah. Butsy, what were you seeing? I thought one of the big parts of this game, and, and not a lot of people talk about it because it's usually not a major uh, difference maker in games, but, you know, special teams, everyone always says it's a third of the game. And uh, yeah, you see the punt from Alabama that gave them seven, and then you go to uh the missed field goal from Michigan later on, and also Michigan. While Michigan was bad on special teams, Alabama was unbelievable. Their punters seemed to pin Michigan inside the 20, 10 yard line every time that Bama was not able to move the football. Um, I know he was injured kind of in the beginning of the game uh, on that com- obvious running into the kicker that they didn't seem to call or did not want to call for some reason, but it was so obvious, but. He had a phenomenal game, I thought, and Bama's kicker, who was like the SEC special teams player of the year. I think I saw that on the on the screen yesterday, you know, drilled like a 52 yarder and then another deep 40 yarder uh, at the end of the half. So I thought the special teams was really going to be the difference for Michigan. And then not a lot of people are talking about this. I don't really know why people aren't talking about this, but the fact that Mich- the Michigan returner muffed the punt and, you know, tried to collect it on the one yard line. Is yeah, what the ball. fuck was that? Uh, Zwick, do you know who the Michigan special teams uh, special teams coordinator is? I do not. Um, do you? I'm, no idea. I may no idea. not know ball. Do you know? I do. Oh, you do? Oh, okay. Tell us, please. Um, his name is Jay. Uh, I don't know how he pronounces Harbo. Har Har Harbaugh. Could Harbaugh? be a Harbaugh, huh? Is it a Harbaugh? Oh, it's Jay Harbaugh. Yeah. Okay. Um, in his relation to Jim Harbaugh is that that's his dad. Um, so oh. he has a son as a special teams coordinator and boy, oh boy, did they have a really rough, rough go of it. Uh, rough the, dinner that the, night. the failed extra point uh, after Michigan scored um, to go up 13, seven, that could have been a, you know, a game winning touchdown instead of having to go to overtime. It was just a disaster for Michigan on, uh, on special teams, but it really felt like they were holding on in the second half and, and they got it done eventually. But man, it was, it was, it was a little sloppy, a little sloppy. I mean, you, you want to talk about, Game of inches. How close was Alabama to getting that safety on the muffed punt return, or even forcing the the fumble? I mean, I what? Just let the ball I mean, bounce and go. What ahead. a I mean, I don't know. Horrible why. idea. <laughs> Michigan Just let it bounce. Return. It. What? What do you do? Why are you trying to do? Catch it on the five. I don't. Anyway? I mean, there's no. no way. Someone had to. There's no way the coaches told him to catch that ball. I, I like, don't know. I, I refuse, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I mean. That's just, I mean that would just be insane. I mean I don't know what he was thinking. I know I he, I I think that he was the second punt returner. I'm not sure he was the first, 
and maybe he maybe he freaked out and you know you know freaked out and just didn't know what to do but what a almost disaster way for it to end like, yeah, doubt, get out of the way. Just get out of the way. Yeah, like, just don't. Who just cares don't if they down it? That's not your fault. Like you, you, yeah. you guys have had special teams issues all all night. Just let it go. I mean, it's bouncing on the five. Odds are, it's a college punter. Odds are, it just tumbles into the end zone, and you know, yeah. everything's fine. But yeah, I want to talk about the quarterbacks a little bit. It was not a pretty first half by any means for both of them. Um, Milrow especially obviously had a lot of three and outs. Couldn't really get anything going through the air or on the ground. That Michigan defense looked suffocating. I thought J.J. McCarthy was just average at best. I thought he missed a lot of easy throws all game. Obviously, the the play at the beginning of the game was lucky that that wasn't an interception. So, I don't. I wasn't super impressed by these quarterbacks. Are you guys big J.J. McCarthy fans? I'm definitely not. But his stat yeah. line, if you looked at it just at the box score. Right? Yeah, he has a good box 17, score. 17 for 27, 221 and three tutters. Like, that's a pretty solid box score. But when you get, I mean, all of us watched the game, and I'm assuming our listeners did as well. They, you know, he had two crossing routes of like, you know, five to seven yards where he was just a good yard or two yards behind his receiver, uh, which cost him multiple first downs. I know one went incomplete, and then one, the receiver had to reach back and fell short of the line to gain, um, where he easily could have picked it up if the ball was on the money. And there was another out route uh, earlier in the game that he, you know, overthrew his receiver by a solid five yards, just completely over his head when he had so much space and separation. So I'm not very impressed by J.J. McCarthy at all. I know Harbaugh, after the game, called him uh, the best quarterback to ever go to Michigan. Wow. Uh, which, or the best Michigan quarterback, because definitely, obviously not the best quarterback to ever go to Michigan. Yeah, but the yeah, best yeah. Michigan quarterback. And that's, just, I don't know if that, I don't, Think that's true. I mean, there's got to be something. I mean, because I don't think he's anything special. I'm Brady, but he yeah. wasn't great at Michigan. Yeah, exactly. He yeah, wasn't exactly. great at Michigan. Yeah, so it's, I, I just think like, I, I just like I think that he'll be like I want to say a late first, second round pick, mm-hmm. and I just don't see him translating well. I mean, he's he's his arm is average at best. Um, he's he's really good, you know, mobility in the pocket and pocket presence and extending plays with his feet and just really, you know, making things happen. But as far as playing in structure, I I just don't see it. Like uh, like yeah, I would love for him to prove me wrong because he could be an awesome player to watch one day. And he is right now because he he has his team in the in the national championship. But I don't as of right now, I don't see his game translating to the NFL. Yeah, I just think when you miss easy throws, it's pretty concerning and it happens it, yeah it does it, but it's like it, i just you, i'm not moved like, yeah like, i i need to be moved with wow like i need to be wowed with really you have to have one like elite elite trait and he right. doesn't have yeah he is a good athlete he's a good player i just wasn't super uh blown away like i thought i was gonna be milro uh i did see what game did i watch him i watched him oh against georgia and he was phenomenal and he definitely disappointed, but is that more of a credit to the Michigan defense, or did he just have a tough game? I think I think the Michigan defense is that good. I think especially the front seven is just really, really talented. And this is probably, you know, some of the worst weapons that Alabama has had in like a long time. Obviously, they had like the there's like that picture, like Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, and um I think it's like Calvin Ridley or someone all together. Yeah, I mean, yeah Waddle, that's Waddle. what it is. And 
I mean, they have Isaiah Bond. They have they have really good players. They have Jace McClellan, who's a really good back. But like the the weapons aren't like anything to brag about. I mean, this this Alabama offense was pretty much average for the whole first half of the season, and then it kind of took off. The defense took off. The whole team took off. But I mean, it's it showed up yesterday. Yeah, I thought the second half it looked like Alabama came out and made some really good adjustments seemed like they started getting the ball out a lot quicker, making the decisions a lot easier on Milro and got the run game going a little bit. Butsy, did you think there was a chance Alabama was coming back? Were you getting a little nervous? I was nervous for the, basically the entire second half because I thought Alabama absolutely controlled the second half. Like we said with the play calling uh, and defensively as well, they absolutely put the stops and, and the breaks on, um, on Michigan. And that's, you know, partly on on JJ because he missed a lot of throws that he could have made to extend drives, um, and and didn't make the throws. Plus, I I think Bama's defense. I, I think Saban is great at making adjustments at halftime. You know, that's what great coaches do. Bill Belichick is known for the same thing. And I think the the offensive game plan in the second half was awesome. Uh, they kept Michigan's offense really off the field and out of rhythm, and that allowed Bama's defense to get rest. And so that way, when they were, were on the field. Uh, they were able to to shut down Michigan. One crazy stat that I saw today, Milrow had 21 rush attempts yeah. last night. And that's that's just to me, that's that's mind-boggling. And he was great in the second half with his legs, but you know, your your leading rusher has 21 attempts or your your second leading rusher yards wise, but he had the most rush attempts on his team. I mean, that's what he does, right? Like, that's he's trying to step up and get through the middle of the defense. They talked about it on the broadcast, and Michigan did an amazing job in the first half with five sacks, I think, and, and getting pressure from the middle. So that was really impressive to see. Lastly, though, I want to talk about the overtime. Obviously, Michigan gets the ball first, uh, puts a good drive together, scores a touchdown. Bama gets it down to the three-yard line. They have fourth and goal from the three. Zwick, you're the football nerd. Did you like the call QB draw? I I did like the call. And I know that Bama fans are going to be like, no, it's a stupid call or football fans or whatever. It was just executed poorly. I mean, that's, that's, that's basically you obviously, I think it's a good call, but you know, anything could be a good call and be executed poorly or be a bad call and be executed. Well, I mean, we see, I, I saw it from the end zone cam and I, I clearly see, Jalen Murrow have a hole to the left where if he gets behind his tackle or, or sorry, his, his guard and falls through, he's walking into the end zone, but the right tackle gets beat. He gets pushed into the backfield and he gets basically pushed into Jalen Murrow's leg and he falls down and it looks like a terrible play call. And it looks like there was never even a chance. And so it's a bad snap. I, yeah. And it's, and on top of that, he get he loses momentum. He has to take a step back from the, the snap being low. So I think it's a good call. I think it's poor execution. That's just, you know, yeah. call it what you want. That's just unfortunate. That's just lack of discipline, whatever. But it's just, it's just, it sucks. I mean, it's football. That's how it works. That That's the football player's opinion. I'll give you the basketball player who watches football player's opinion. I did not like the call. I think, I, <laughs> I personally think fourth and goal from the three, I think you need some creativity. I don't think you should run into Michigan's strength, which was clearly their D-line. I think you need some sort of motion or play action or well, they had they had I mean, eye candy going they had the the right the 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 jet bubble to the left yeah I mean and that's it, fine it, it didn't I'm, it didn't fool anyone though 
Yeah, it, it didn't fool anyone. I just like some creativity. I thought Michigan's D-line was clearly their strength, and running into the middle of that defense, I would personally not do. Um, I think of all the people sitting at home, if you had asked everybody what they thought the play was, I bet a high percentage would have called QB draw. Butsy, what did you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I think you have to give Milrow a chance to do something with his legs if the primary option isn't there. Like, I think that the QB draws for him are solid, but where he really shines is when, you know, he's he's able to drop back, you know, read, his, read over his options, the pocket collapses, and then he's able to, you know, scramble and make something out of nothing for a 10-yard or 12-yard gain. Uh, he did that a bunch last night. I That's what I would like to see. Um, I know their receiver went out, their star receiver went out, like literally the play before. I think he was cramping up. I don't think he was on the field for the last snap, Swick. Yeah, he was not on the field for the last snap, which obviously I I would assume uh, impacted the play call. But I I think Milrow is a better rusher when he's scrambling and not in designated runs when he's able to be elusive. And he didn't get the chance to do that. But at the same time, I think you don't really have another best option to go yeah, with I mean, in that spot. You you go down with your best player having the ball in his hands trying to make a play. Like Zwick said, the, the D-line beat the O-line. Whatever you can certainly live with that. That's not a hard pill to swallow. I just I I kind of I understand the feeling from Alabama fans. I don't think they should be like outraged. I don't think that's why they lost the game by any means. I think Michigan was the better team, but I would have liked to see a little bit of a more creative play call. Uh, anything else from you guys on this game, or should we go to Washington versus Texas? This game's Let's fucked. Let's move. Yeah, let's move along. All right. Washington, Texas, the three versus two matchup. Washington ends up winning 37-31. Two great quarterbacks after seeing two pretty mediocre quarterback performances. Uh, Ewers, obviously, versus Penix. Zwick, what were your takeaways from this game? Penix is unbelievable. I mean, he is he's going to shoot up draft boards from this game and if he plays well against Michigan because – he was putting the ball in literally buckets. I mean, he's putting the ball where only his players can go make plays, and it helps when you have you know one of the best receivers in the country, Roma Dunze, and um, Jalen Polk was playing extremely well. And the I mean, the Washington offense looked unbelievable. They looked unbelievable. It got a little stagnant there um, late in the game where they went three and out, and then we got to talk about the. I mean, the game was over, and then. Dylan Johnson gets hurt, and then Texas has a chance. I mean, what a wild way for – imagine if Texas had won at the end because Dylan Johnson, their running back, just just because he had gotten hurt and it stopped the clock. I mean, insane. Yeah, and they could have won. I mean, it came down to the last play. I mean, they were one play away. Yeah. What did you think, Buttsy? Well, I literally think on that last play, if Ewers just threw the ball harder at the pylon, (laughs) at the closer pylon – like the corner was just praying that that ball was getting thrown up in the air because I really feel like if that receiver had just stopped on a dime and ran like a little hook, that if you were through a laser, which he had time to do, I understand he was under pressure, but he still had the opportunity to step up and and throw a bullet. He didn't have to throw the lob. Like Texas would, like Texas would have won the game. I literally think that that's that's easily what could have happened. Also, I was very confused because Texas was down. Uh, what were they down? Oh, yeah, they didn't. They didn't do 13? the thing, and they didn't yeah. go for two. They didn't go for two. 
they didn't go for two because if then uh, Washington comes down, kicks the field goal, that makes it an eight point game, which mm -hmm. is ex exactly what they did. And then instead, Texas was down nine. And then when they got down there and it was fourth and three on like the six, they had to kick the field goal. And then obviously everything that transpired. But how different of a game would have been, Zwick, if Texas had gone for two, gotten it, and then went down eight, gets the ball fourth and three on Washington six for the game? Like that, it's I mean, just, it's, it's, it's game changing. crazy hypothetical. And it's why you follow analytics. Yeah, that, that's actually very weird. I've seen a couple teams not follow it recently. I think a, a team in the NFL did it too. But anyways, my takeaway, I'm with Zwick. This was like a panic show all the way through. And I thought yours was good. But Penix was great. Yeah, yours was very good. But Penix goes 29 for 38, 430 yards through the air, two touchdowns. And he had uh, 31 yards on the ground on only three carries. He He was an absolute stud. I'm surprised he's not higher on mock drafts. I I ha that was the first time I've seen him play. Um, he's gonna raise. I didn't. I I don't think he has like a cannon of an arm. At least from what I saw last night, he definitely underthrew at least one ball I can remember. But super accurate, amazing pocket presence. I don't know if he made a bad decision all night. Um, it, he. I mean, just sorry. Does he remind you of anyone? I think he was a little well. I was gonna say Tua because of the lefty, but he's he's more athletic. <laughs> I mean, he's definitely more athletic, but not the strongest arm. Extremely yeah. accurate. It's literally Tua. Yeah, I mean, you can say, "Oh, it's just because he's lefty," but it's literally Tua. It's similar. It's definitely similar. I think he's a better athlete, and Tua probably has a little bit of a better arm. But last night, I mean, Penix was putting the ball wherever wherever he wanted. So, okay, anything else about this game specifically? Yeah, I wasn't too impressed with Quinn Ewers. I mean, really, really bad completion percentage, 24 for 43 for 318 in a score. I know a lot of the announcers were kind of like saying the same thing along the lines of that was not the typical Quinn Ewers game that we're used to used to him seeing. Uh, he got hot late, but for the majority of the game, it was Texas's rush that was getting him down the field and, and putting him in positions to score. Uh, I also think Quinn Ewers was planning on staying for another year, but – I think now that there's a lot of hype around Arch Manning, he's debating, de uh, declaring, but I don't think he said anything publicly. Uh, there's just a lot of articles saying, will Quinn Ewers declare for the draft now, um, you know, with Arch Manning looming or something like that. But I think Quinn Ewers would be like a mid-round draft pick. I don't think he's anything that special. Uh, obviously, Penix. And then there's so many quarterbacks that are better than him if he were to declare for the draft that just because of that alone, he would slip a couple rounds. Um, you think about the guys ahead of him, you know, you got obviously Caleb Williams, you have Michael Penix, you have Jane Daniels, you have Drake May, like you have all these guys that are just heading shoulders above Quinn Ewers that I don't think that his draft stock would be very high with very elite QBs. And not a lot of teams in the NFL really need QBs right now. I don't think a ton of teams are going to go out and try to get their franchise guy um, outside of like the top four QBs in this draft. And remind you, like, yes, we haven't seen great NFL quarterback play this year, but that's because basically every starter in the AFC got hurt and so many starters continue to get hurt. Uh, so I'm not as big on, on high in the Ewers as you guys are, but he gave his team a chance to win. I will say that. Like, it was really, really gritty of him to, you know, have a couple. He threw a beautiful uh, two throws in a row down the field. One was for 25 yards. I put him on, like, the 18-yard line. And then another one to his running back, which I don't know how the hell he caught that inbounds. That was one incredible catch. That was insane. I mean, and the the two fumbles from both the Texas running backs sunk them. I mean, yeah. they they drove all the way down the field. I think they were on like maybe the 20, 25. 
and they coughed it up again. Like back, I think it was either back to back drives or it was both in the second half that both the Texas running backs fumbled, and it was just a backbreaker, and then they just couldn't keep up. So it's the difference. Yeah. yeah. All right. Before we move on from college, I want to propose a little bit of a question. Mm. There was a lot of controversy over this year's playoff and the four teams that were in it. We just saw two really awesome games. Both came down to the wire to the last play. Do you guys think the committee got these four right? Zwick, go ahead. I know you had a lot of thoughts on this. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I Florida State can talk all this. Oh, we should have been in. We would have been closer to Michigan than Bama was. They did, by the way. The, the, every Florida State player tweeted after the game that yeah, Bama oh, every single one. In. And it's it's bullshit. It's fucking bullshit. They it's not true. If if Florida State played Michigan, I think the spread would have been like Michigan minus twenty four. Yeah, and I, they would easily cover. I mean, I mean, we also need to understand that Florida would not have had their QB and yeah, and the the, they didn't have twenty other their, their guys. And that's very extremely fair, but I mean, well, if you don't have your QB, you don't deserve to be in. Like that's part of it. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Is they didn't have their quarterback when they were picking the teams. I think the committee got it right. These are clearly the best four teams. I mean, I don't know how you could argue otherwise. Both of these games came down to the final play. I honestly think. Sorry, Butsy. I only think the only argument you could make is not for Florida State, but for Georgia. I think Georgia could look at it and say we we could have. I mean, you put Alabama in obviously because they beat Georgia, but could Georgia have beaten Washington or Texas? Yeah, but Georgia, but Georgia was never going to get in over Bama, right? So I mean, my dad, my dad, uh, the SEC diehard would tell you that they should have got in over Texas. So, <laughs> but then, yeah, then, then there's just no reason the to takes. play the games. But I was, I was gonna say the same thing. Like, I do think Georgia could beat and would beat Texas. I do. I think Georgia is still uh, probably, you know, if you're gonna take like a power ranking, not like an AP poll based on wins and losses, I think you put Georgia at, at three or two, they're certainly in the top four of anybody's yeah. power rankings. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And the it's fact that they not. get left out because of who beats who, you know, if Texas didn't beat Alabama at Alabama earlier this season, then both teams would be in, right? You would have uh, Georgia, you'd have Alabama, you'd have Michigan, and you'd have Washington. Those would be the four teams if Alabama had not lost earlier on. I think Georgia is the only team that, can look at this and say, I actually think that they could have had, you know, we, we actually think we could have had a shot at winning this whole thing. Florida state without their QB shouldn't have said a word. I'm kind of, you know, I'm a Florida state fan. I'm kind of pissed that they, especially even Jordan Travis went out and tweeted like, dude, you, by the way, do you understand that you are the reason that they didn't get that you guys didn't get in? Right. I mean, obviously it's not your fault, but you have to understand that you are such as like an impactful and such a good player that you going down alone, like, is the reason yeah. that your team is not in the playoffs. So, and, and I mean, what was Rodemaker going to go out and fucking put on a performance of a lifetime against Michigan? I mean, not even fucking close. Yeah. So only argument is for Georgia. Yeah, I agree. I, agree. I think, I think you could make the argument for Georgia if you want the four best teams, but if you go by the cr- criteria that the committee obviously lays out um, before every season, then I think they got the the right four and hopefully in the future, uh, we don't have to worry about this with the 12 team playoff. I don't think there's going to be, nearly as much discrepancy over it so be awesome yes well there's well there's there's new did you see how this the playoffs gonna work because they they did a little deep dive into it 
um, during the George, not uh, yeah, the Georgia FSU game that I was yeah. watching. And they're assuming like it's the four conference winners, I think, and they're assuming Arizona's going to win the Big Twelve next year, which, which would is, make Arizona the four seed, or which would make Arizona a top four seed, a top four seed with a bye. Yeah, which that needs some really, tweaking. That's really bad. weird. That needs tweaking, big yeah. time, because yeah. Arizona should never does should never get a bye in anything. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, th- they need to tweak it, but I still think it won't be nearly like it is now with how how many people feel like they get screwed. All right, we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna come back for NFL. All right, we're here for NFL. We saw a crazy Saturday game between the Lions and the Cowboys. A lot of controversy. Zwick, you ended up posting a TikTok about this game and about the end of this game, which ended up doing some pretty good numbers for us. Um, I don't know. Did you post that? I mean, you must have posted that right after the final buzzer. And after the game ended, a lot of different angles of the final play came out. Were you aware of those angles when you posted the TikTok, first of all? (laughs) Which basically, (laughs) for the listeners who don't know, uh, there was a flag (laughs) called on a two-point conversion attempt on the Lions for uh, illegal touching because a lineman did not report as eligible. And then you see in the post game that the lineman goes up to the ref. He says something. We're, we're assuming he's reporting. I mean, obviously, we don't have the mics, but the ref says that he didn't report. The camera seems to show something else. Zwick, what was your reaction? All right, so so I may have, I may have not seen these angles. Um, I, was, I was more... I, I assumed that the official had gotten it right at the time. Yes. Now that I see the post game tweets and angles and all that, it, it does look pretty suspicious. Like, I mean, there's no way you don't report there. Yeah. You put in this play, the coaches tell you all week, you have to report, you have to report, you have to report or this play will not work. I don't see that. I don't see Taylor Decker being, He's a very good player. I don't see him making that mistake. Yeah, so I'll I'll give just a quick explanation. I I heard uh, or I saw a pretty in depth breakdown by Ben Solak on it. That the Lions had been having number seventy report all game, and then on that final play, seventy comes onto the field. He raises his hand up. He's waving at the ref. That's not an official report, but it draws attention to him. Maybe the defense is looking at him. Doesn't see Decker, who's actually reporting. The ref gets faked out by it. The ref thinks 70's reporting. He doesn't even see 68 Decker is right in his face trying to tell him something. I I think the ref's eyes, if you watch, never come off of 70, and he doesn't even see Taylor Decker out of the corner of his eye trying to report. So I think that's what the ref got wrong. Um, it's really brutal because obviously the Lions convert on the on the play, and then um, you know the following sequence happens, which I'll, I'll let you break down to it because that seems yeah. Like- I mean, and that's just that's a colossal fuck up basically ever i mean bad officiating like they have to notice that in time like you have to be more careful and maybe you can put some blame on um on 70 or was it 68 who waved 70 waved so maybe you can put some blame on him so you have to actually like talk to him and say i am reporting i'm reporting instead of just trying to like you know make eye contact whatever it was though Dan Campbell is a fucking madman. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he is just constantly he is I mean, he's literally the South Park meme with his balls in the in the wheelbarrow all the time. So, I mean, I think it's reckless. I think it's stupid. I think that I don't really care that 
obviously I think the Lions probably I obviously we're not there. We don't we don't have the mics, we don't see everything, but I think the Lions probably got screwed on that last play, is my guess. And it happens. Teams get screwed all the time. Officials miss calls, officials make bad calls. It happens. Obviously, it sucks that it's that important and it's that it's that much in crunch time, but it's it's really hard to feel bad for them when they decide to go for two again. Yeah. From the seven yard from the right. yeah, from the seven yard line and then don't get it. Luckily, Michael Parsons jumps off sides, and you're thinking, okay, there's no way they try it again, right? There's absolutely no. Dan Campbell sends the offense on the field. I just like from the three and a half. It's not even back to. The it's not even. A, it's it's farther than a two point conversion. Like that's yeah. just that's just dumb to me. Like I I I like being aggressive. I get you're trying to play for the one seed. You don't have that much to lose, but like, what are we doing? I mean, you're still trying to win a football game out here, are we not? Like, going for it from the seven is absolutely insanity to me. I think, it, they, I, they, I think it was pure anger. Pure. It was, it, yeah, and it was probably like an impulse decision that because he was so fucking pissed off because of the play that just happened before. But like, you just you you can't do that. Like, I, I it's just, that's stupidity to me. That's just bad coaching. That's putting your team. That's setting your team up to fail, and. They were snapping that ball, and the play was going to happen if Michael Parsons jumped off sides or not. And if he didn't, and they, I think it was like an incomplete pass over the middle, and it looked it looked bad. I think it was a pick. They, yeah, or something, and it looked bad. And if that happens, and that's what people remember, we're having an entire different conversation about it. Everyone's saying, oh, the lines got fucked, the lines got fucked. I don't care. They went for it from the, from the seven instead of trying to play in overtime, and they had a Terrible play. Luckily, they got bailed, but they tried it again, and then they didn't get it. So I have a hard time feeling bad for them. I think they probably got screwed, but not kicking the extra point when you're on the seven-yard line, and then the three-and-a-half again is pure insanity to me. Yeah, but see, Dan Campbell, obviously one of your guys, him and Eberflus, but I would say Campbell may be the main guy. Um, It seems like the players rally around him. It seems like all of the Lions players were not upset with how the game was coached. Were you upset with how the game was coached? Well, no, because I've been on Dallas money line, so I really wasn't <laughs> too upset uh, with how the game was coached. But I don't understand how you're not kind of fired up if you're Dallas, right? Or if you're uh, a Lions fan um, or a Lions player, like you're still trying to get the one seed, like Swick said. That's still very within reason. And I think going out and trying, well, like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. And they went for two, three times in a row and didn't get it. So that clinically makes Dan Campbell insane. <laughs> I I like the guy. I love the guy, actually. He's a vibes guy. But just kick the goddamn extra point, right? At some point, I, I don't know at what point you kick the extra point, but I, I really would do it after the after the penalty. Just kick the extra point, go to overtime, and try to win that way because I think even contemplating going for it on the seven-yard line is just delusional. Um, but I do want to talk about one thing, and it was when Decker went over to report. You have to get the referee's attention. I agree. Like, I know Rex Ryan did a whole thing, and he was putting it on the refs and says, can we stop blaming the, the goddamn players? And I get it, but he did not look like he made a, an effort to report. Like, he yeah, he's whisper- looked- if, he's, if he's, like, whispering, like, I'm like Yeah. I- yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, looked like, he literally looked like he just jogged over and said, yeah, I'm, hey, ref, ref, ref. 
I know this is a really big play for the game ref, ref I'm reporting. I'm reporting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Instead of being like, hey, official, don't run away from me. Look at my fucking eyes. I'm reporting as eligible, as an eligible receiver. And so I, I understand the refs did make a mistake, and it was a little bit of a blatancy on their end. And after the game, they did get downgraded from uh, yeah. not doing a playoff game, which I think is, is huge because I don't really feel like we've seen that in recent times in the NFL. But – it's you gotta make it more of an effort if you're Decker. No, it's mainly it's mainly on the ref, but I do have a theory. You guys want to hear my theory? Mm. Do we have an option? I, choice? They they showed right after the play, they showed everyone on the Lions sideline absolutely infuriated. And then they showed Taylor Decker sitting on the bench, straight faced, not even reacting. And then I saw the replay and I was like, he knew. Maybe he, he knew, knew he didn't hear him. He knew he, he knew the ref up. didn't hear he him. Didn't hear like him. and if uh it you can't blame him. I'm not trying to blame him. Because it is the ref's fault. Um, 70 was not reporting. 68 was. He said report to you. But if he knew. He knew the ref didn't hear him. <laughs> like, just say it a little louder. Get his attention. It's it's better to... I, I know people keep saying he didn't want to draw attention to himself. It's better to draw attention than to get a flag on you and not have the... Play. I mean, it's not even it's not even a drawing attention to yourself. Everyone, The defense knows when you report. The officials... Yeah, exactly. It is announced in the stadium... 70s reporting is eligible. It's not like it's it's just a whole fuck up. It's a whole yeah. cluster fuck, and it's so uh, that's yeah. my theory. I I'm still it's the refs' fault. They did get screwed, but I mean crazy game. Um, other one other thing on this game, I saw a lot of sports media people really impressed with the Lions after this game. I don't know if it was because of the that final drive and how they got screwed, but everybody I saw said the Lions outplayed the Cowboys for this entire game. A lot of people I saw tried to like basically take away the CD Lamb long touchdown and say like the Lions had a chance to sack him in the end zone. Well, they didn't. So to me, yeah. like they they certainly did not outplay the Cowboys all game. Um, they played a great game. I was impressed by their defense. CD Lamb also fumbled on the three yard line out of the end zone and gave the Lions the ball. I mean, that's a stupid rule we've all talked about. No, we don't not. like the touchback rule. Nope. Like it's a good rule. Why is that a good rule, Zwick? I think that's actually a very good rule. It's a, it's an, it, why would, why, why would you reward, like, why, why would you not get punished for fumbling? Because it, it's not like that anywhere else on the field. I mean, I think because it's a difference between six points. Where, what do you, what's the rule? I yeah, think you give it back to him do? where he, where he drops the ball, where the ball comes out of his hand. I think, but it goes uh, through the back of the end zone. Where do you put the ball then? Wherever he where fumbled it, falls out of his hands. I mean, I, I, I think. You you have to. I don't. It's too big of a punishment. Fumbling. It's way too big of a punishment. I just think if that you, that's if, that's the goal. It's a, it's like a turnover, right? It's, that's the it's goal. A turnover. If you fumble the ball, it's a turnover. Ninety eight percent of the time. I, I just I disagree. It goes out of bounds a lot. <laughs> like it does. It, it does. Bad, but it's it, a weird but ball. It bounces weird ways. If we're gonna crush that ball every didn't bounce player, weird though. That didn't bounce weird. I know. Just went out. And I then just, Justin Jefferson. Like you guys remember Justin Jefferson earlier yeah. in the year as well? Tried to extend and lost it. Like, the, like you're getting punished for fumbling that close to. Yeah. The Otherwise, the see, if you don't, if you don't have that rule, players are going to extend the ball every single time. And yeah. and they have and they don't care if they fumble. They're just trying to throw it in the end zone. Maybe they throw it and go chase it. Like yeah. they, <laughs> they don't care if they fumble. They like hop it over. They're like, oh well, I still have another play. All right, I might I might not have the perfect solution. I think it's a dumb rule. I think that's way too big of a penalty for a a fumble where it, it's like if it bounces two feet to the right, it's you just get the ball back and you run another play. I think it's don't fumble it's absurd. Yeah, we need a solution then. I mean, yeah, if you're I, okay, I have a solution. Don't don't fumble. 
Fair enough. All right. That's so Jordan, did you guys? Jordan, Jordan, that's your that's your uh, that's your homework for for Thursday's. Fine. App. Fine. Find a solution to that rule. I just find us a find us a way to <laughs> easy enough. So did you guys feel like? It seems like you don't feel like I did. I thought the Cowboys played a, a very good game, and everyone's saying the Lions outplayed them, outclassed them in every way. What did you guys think? I I think that it's tough because I I I really was impressed with like Detroit uh, way more than I thought they would. I think Dak gave them away. Dak threw a bad pick on I think the first drive of the game, and when they were driving, yes, and very looked, bad pick, and it was bad. And I thought that. He bounced back well. Obviously, they had the super long touchdown to Seed Lamb, which was very cool to watch. And I thought Jared Goff played just okay. I mean, there was there was two turnovers, but he got them down the field when it mattered most. He gave his team a chance to win, and that's all you can ask for from a quarterback. And I thought I was impressed. I mean, like we said, they're literally like a play or two or three away from winning, and. It was a colossal fuck up that we haven't seen in a long time, maybe away from winning. And then we're having a totally different conversation. So I, I, I was impressed with the Lions. I want to say this is more like the Cowboys squeaked it out instead yeah. of like the Lions just barely lost. That makes sense. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that makes sense. But see, if they play again, who do you have? Um, where? Yeah. That's good. Where? What is it right now? Where would it be right now? Would it be Dallas? No, it would be Detroit. Uh, it would be in Detroit. Or, well, no, it would be Dallas. It would be Dallas. Would be Dallas. Dallas is the two seed. Yeah. Dallas is the two seed. In Dallas, I'm going to take Dallas. Yeah. Um, I think that they are the better team. And by better team, I think that they're more put together. Uh, I think, like I said, I said this a couple weeks ago, and it's actually you know starting to become true. Big, like Dan Campbell's nuts are too big for his own good. And we saw there that, you know, in the other night where that game, would that game have de- determined the two seed? Like, if Zwick, if they won, would they have the two seed in the NFC? Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. A, I mean, that is a ginormous difference between having to go to Dallas and Dallas coming to you if you if both teams potentially win their first playoff game. So I honestly thought it was it was nuts. I, 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 hmm. mm, I ah. if it's in Dallas, I'm taking Dallas. If it's in Detroit. I would I would take Detroit. I think it's the home team, right? I, I think both teams struggle to play on the road. Dallas is incredible at home. Detroit's also very, very good at home. I mean, a Detroit or Dallas environment, who haven't seen like a – that'd be an NFC, that'd be the divisional round. Yeah, Haven't seen that, that type of playoff atmosphere in a long time. Both crowds would be buzzing. I think the Cowboys are more put together. I think the Lions still have too many question marks across their defense. And if Dan Campbell keeps taking these fucking risks, man, they're going to come back to bite him. And that obviously Saturday was a big example, but I think it was, it, I don't think his methodology is going to change going into the playoffs either. You know, yeah. like if you're, why, why would it? You why would it? This is right. what got him here. He's not going to change it up now, right? right? I mean, I would hope not. No, the, there's a lot of talk about Cam, uh, Dan Campbell's coaching. Mike McCarthy tried to lose this game at the end. They, the, the Cowboys had the ball up seven. And throw the ball three times with I think under two minutes left. The first so one, the first one was a quick slant. They completed it, so at least they completed it. You can't really fault them for that. Second one, Dak drops back, doesn't like it, just hucks it out of bounds, stops the clock, just gives the Lions forty seconds when they only have I think one timeout left. So he gives them a free timeout. Like terrible coaching by McCarthy. I would not be surprised if Dallas uh, loses the next time they play. 
but but like strictly because of Mike McCarthy. I I just don't like how that guy manages games. But I, I think but, I think if if they go one and done the playoffs, he's getting fired. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but if if they go on a run, which they certainly could, and he won't, so it'll be yeah. interesting. All right, let's go to a little mini preview here. And the only the only reason we're doing this mini preview is because the betting line for this game is just insane to me. The Bills are minus three in Miami in a game where the winner will win the AFC East. This is basically the the biggest uh, game of the year in terms of playoff implications. Buffalo versus Miami. If Buffalo wins this, they're the two seed. I believe the same for Miami. And if Buffalo loses, there's a chance they don't make the playoffs. They still could make the playoffs if they lose, but there is a chance they don't make the playoffs. So big time must win for Buffalo. Miami, they're going to be saying it's a must win all week. They'll be in the playoffs either way, but the two seed versus the whatever else seed is a, is a big difference. So Zwick, how do you think these teams match up? You, we don't have to do picks. We can go leans, just feelings. Uh, you know, the, the bills, I think they they've been on a four game winning streak and they haven't even looked amazing to me. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm leaning Buffalo. I don't know about you guys. I have, I've seen no evidence to not lean Buffalo. Um, the Miami defense is incredibly banged up right now. Yeah. Um, Bradley Chubb just got tore just tore his ACL in garbage time, which is absolutely devastating. Hoping you know that's just very very sad for him and Dolphins defense in general. And they already lost their opposite edge rusher Jalen Phillips earlier in the season to an Achilles, and no Xavier Howard this weekend. He's unlikely to play. So I, it's it's really really hard for me to pick Miami with the defense that banged up and. The offense, you know, I know I know Waddle is banged up. Tyreek Hill is a little banged up. Mostert didn't play last week. So who knows who they're gonna have for these skill positions this week? I, I I would assume that Waddle will be back. I think he will be, but I think Buffalo is buzzing right now. I think they, they're playing with all the confidence in the world and they've been winning and they've been turning it around and and I believe they should be getting Matt Milano back within the next couple of weeks, maybe the first round of the playoffs. So I think they're playing for him. I think they're playing for their teammates. Josh Allen is playing, you know, like I can't say he's playing amazing, but he's winning the football games. He's yeah. leading his, he's giving his team a chance to win the football games. That's all you can ask. I mean, maybe yeah. he's not putting the best, the best box scores, but I don't think he cares about that. And no. I, and I, I wouldn't blame him because he just wants to win. Yeah. I, I think it's very interesting Four game winning streak after losing to the Eagles uh in November. They beat the Chiefs and the Cowboys. Two great wins. And then they go Chargers and Patriots the next two. They win Chargers 24-22, Patriots 27-21. Neither one of those wins looked like the Bills were playing even close to their best football. Uh Stefan Diggs has had a weird drought of Yeah, what happened? I don't know, mediocre games. I don't even know if you can call them mediocre. Uh, Josh Allen against the Patriots, 15 for 30, 170 yards passing with a pick. He did have two rushing touchdowns. The The run game has really turned around for Buffalo, and the defense has really turned around since about midseason, and that's why they're winning these games. But, I mean, you would think they, they're they going to need Diggs and Allen uh, to pick it up if, if they want to make a run, right, Butsy? Yeah, but we talked about how they've been so pass-reliant and just using Josh's legs as their entire run game. And now that we've seen James Cook become one of the better backs in the league, we've just seen production from Diggs and Gabe Davis and Kincaid and like just fall off, you know, fall fall through the floor. I mean, I had Diggs in fantasy in one of my leagues and 
I think he started the first eight weeks or seven weeks with uh, over a hundred receiving yards. And then since then he hasn't even gotten close. So I, and that's partly because their run game has been so dominant and so excellent. And one of the things that you need to do if you're going to want to win in playoff games and win late in the season is you have to be able to run the ball. And they've been doing that very efficiently. I don't know if they're going to go away from that, but I also believe that if they do have to go away from that, they, they still have Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen and Gabe Davis and Kincaid. Like they still have the weapons. I just don't know if they're ever going to need to revert to the passing game. I mean, I'm assuming they're going to at some point against a team like the Ravens where you might need to score a shit ton of points or you might be playing from behind in, in a playoff game. But for the Bills, not only does winning this game get them the AFC East, it gets them the two seed in the in the AFC, which gets you two home playoff games. So these are the playoff scenarios for Buffalo. If they win, they're in and they get the two seed no matter what. Or they clinch a playoff berth if Pittsburgh loses – who plays the Ravens, who have nothing to play for. I don't think they're starting their guys. As of right now, the Ravens are plus three and a half, so, so Steelers are minus three and a half. Steelers probably win this game because they also very desperately need to win. If Jacksonville loses, Jacksonville also needs to win, and they play the Titans on Sunday. Titans are really bad. It's in Tennessee. That might be the only caveat that might you know, drive you away from betting on the Jaguars, but they put up a pretty solid performance with Beathard on, on Sunday. And the Titans just absolutely look fucking horrible. Uh, and the final scenario, which is very unlikely, is a Houston-Indiana tie. Indian, Indianapolis tie, which isn't really good, which probably, you know, you can't bet on ties. But I think the Bills' rushing game has been so solid. I think the major injuries on the Miami defensive side and the quality of the Bills' defense over the last few weeks is making me lean Buffalo. Jordan, are you just not going to go Buffalo because they're inconsistent still? I mean, the Patriots gave them a game. The Patriots threw three picks and had a fumble and were down six points. Mm. And yeah. they were in Buffalo. Like, that was not an impressive win at all. I'm not going Buffalo because of what Zwick said. I haven't made my pick yet, okay? I, I'm thinking about it. Okay. But. When it's Miami, let me know. When it's Miami, let us know. <laughs> I mean, they, they're very banged up. They just lost by fucking 40 to, to the Ravens who, I mean, they they just look like they're far and away the best team now, but. Yeah, I, I'm not going to pick either team. I don't like either of these teams to go on a run. I still like Kansas City better than either of these teams. Call me crazy, Zwick. I don't care. I, I'm not impressed by, by the Bills the last two weeks. So I I don't know where I'm going yet, but I just – I won't be surprised either way. I'll tell you that. Um, I haven't been impressed by the Chiefs, so. Well, yeah. Wow. Who has? But let's yeah. be real. Did That yeah. Patriots game, did, did anyone come away from that going, wow, the Bills look great? Did anyone have that feeling? No, I came away thinking, wow, the Patriots are really scrappy. <laughs> yeah, really yeah. Scrappy. I came away thinking the Patriots could maybe win seven games. Yeah, maybe if they had a quarterback <laughs> who didn't give the ball away every every other drive, they could have actually won that game, but who knows. Um, all right, boys, anything else before we send it off? Um, let me think over here. The Ravens. Say, Zwick? The Bengals something about the Bengals? No, they're not. They're not good. No, they're dead. dead. Oh, okay, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're dead. dead. Um, Jake Browning was fun. It was, it was fun. fun. It, it's over now, um, it, which is okay. And I'm, and I'm, I'm, well, I guess it's not technically over, but it's over. Is and, Flacco the last of the backup QB runs? Is he? Is he the only one standing? Of teams, Minshew of teams in the playoffs. Minshew. Yeah, Minshew. well, technically Minshew. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. They, they, um, they're fun too. We'll, we'll look back on the Flacco insanity run, and this will it'll be fun. Not over, man. dude. It's not over. It's, it's no, no, just no. not over yet. 
I'm, I'm getting really I'm getting really worried the Browns or the Ravens are gonna like make a deep playoff run. It's gonna make me really well the Ravens, worried. obviously. They're just so head and shoulders yeah, above everybody. No, I know, and I'm I'm getting really worried like the Ravens are gonna win the Super Bowl and it's gonna make me so mad. That is a reasonable concern. That's a very I, yeah, concern. and I'm and I'm really nervous about it. I really hope they don't. Whoever like, the I'll, Browns play, I'll be rooting for the Browns. I think that's gonna be one of the I, most fun watches fucking hate playoffs. The I I is Wick. I know you do, but like I hate them. They it's are. Good. It's Flacco. Uh, it's Flacco sanity. It, I know, I know, and it's so fun because Flacco. But it's like, oh, I, I hate them so much. Um, there is something we have to talk about that will divert your anger, I guess. Uh, the Eagles are they, they are dark. They, they are so bad. No, I purposely <laughs> left this segment out. We're not. <laughs> I don't want to do it. Oh, this is big. We have, we need to talk about this. We owe it to the listeners. Oh, I think we do. Yeah, it's a good point, Swick. Listeners. Listeners, um, so if listeners, um, if you're listening, the Eagles not very good at football. Not. Um, they they have a lot of wins, but they've eleven. They've eleven, right? They're they're terrible right now. Their defense is terrible. Their offense put up what was it, thirty one? I think thirty one, thirty five, and they lost. I mean, the, the offense actually looked pretty good, and like I, I I think they drastically need a coaching change. Like I think that. The, the loss of, like, not, not a head coaching change, but the loss of, like, Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon is, is they're feeling it now more than ever. And I think they're probably, you know, the locker room is starting to probably lose their mind because it's full of veterans, right? I mean, it's full of players who have been on winning teams all their life, like Jason Kelsey, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, now A.J. Brown. It's like, they, they especially at the Super Bowl run, like, they know what they need to do, and it's just not happening. Just... We also talk about how, like, after this season, the Eagles are like gonna fall apart personnel wise. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Like this is Man. this was their, this was last year was their year. I was talking to a Philly fan about this the other day. Uh, he said that the last year was the, the last year was the team that was the it team. Was hundred percent. And this 100%. year they're not the same. They lost too many weapons defensively, and now they've been trying to piece it together and they haven't been able to. And now, after this season, their O line is going to be gone. Um, Kelsey and probably Lane Johnson and their secondary is just going to fall apart even more than it already is. It's it, it's going to their be secondary dark. can't get worse. Whatever new players they bring, <laughs> yeah, out, it really can't. Can't be. It really worse. cannot get worse. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, they have really they have a great D line. They doubled down drafting more D line, which I think is a cool strategy. Um, it, it, you have a stacked D line. You have every Georgia D lineman that's ever played there. And then the <laughs> linebackers, the linebackers in secondary are they look like they went to BYU. So I don't know. It's hey. it's a problem. Um, and then offensively, I actually do agree with you, Zwick. I think I think Sirianni's calling the plays right now, and it's not a good look. I think he needs to focus on managing the game and, and give that role to someone else because the play calling is stale, it's boring, it's predictable. So I'm I'm totally with you on the coaching change. They were ten and one guys. They were were they the worst ten and one team that we've ever seen? The worst that I forget who I forget who on this podcast was trying to say that the Eagles have just not had many impressive wins and it's going to catch up to them eventually. I don't remember that. Yeah, guy. I, don't, True, I don't. I don't remember either. That was that was incorrect. At one point, How they did have impressive wins. I mean, they had good wins. They beat the Cowboys. They beat the Dolphins. Yeah, they beat the Cowboys. Dolphins. They beat the Bills. Buccaneers. Vikings. Bills. Chiefs. Those are pretty good wins. I yeah, they beat the Chiefs in there. I just love how you threw the Chiefs. <laughs> they, they Is that the not a good win? Is that a bad win? <laughs> I don't think it's a great win. It's, the Chiefs it's, are the okay. Commanders now. The Bill, I mean the the Broncos beat the beat the Chiefs. Broncos Bengals beat almost beat the Chiefs. 
<laughs> a lot of teams have almost beat the Chiefs. Uh, the Raiders beat the Chiefs. Yeah, the Raiders did beat the Chiefs. I don't know. I just, I just felt like the Eagles had not been like it was very obvious and apparent to me from the jump that they were not the same team as last season. And I thought, while the record was incredible, it wasn't indicative of how good they were. And it did catch up to them eventually. I mean, this was, and by the way, we needed the, as Patriots fans, Jordan, we needed this win from the Cardinals. Oh, this was a big win for you guys. Yes. This was huge. a ginormous huge. win for us. Absolutely yeah. huge. Don't, do don't, ruin, don't fuck it up next week. It, it oh, changed. we're going to fuck it up. Oh, we're going to. It changed. Yeah, that's the thing. We're going to beat the Jets, but it changed the strength of schedule somehow for the commanders. So we jumped the commanders. That was, I, I didn't uh, see I that scenario coming. Didn't know that was a thing that could happen, but I yeah. loved it. Yeah, that was awesome. So, I mean, now now we're back thinking QB land, QB territory. Yeah. So um, I was curious because I wasn't totally sure if Nick Sirianni calls the plays, and turned out he doesn't. Okay. Brian Johnson, that. the offensive oh, that's right. that's calls right. the plays. So we need to start asking ourselves, what does Nick Sirianni even do? <laughs> he's uh, he's a Besides, guy. Like, yeah, because I, it's not. He is. He is. He just a yeah. he's a Philly guy, and he tries to act like it, and it's not working. No. Yeah, I I just think Philly loves him because he screams and and he's he's like a galvanizing team. He's like one of those coaches that you see. I was watching what game was I watching? Uh oh, it was the Steelers Seahawks game. And I don't know if you guys watched this game, but we I was kind of watching it in and out and and I had red zone on one of the TVs. There was a guy on the Seahawks sideline, and I swear to God, from the first snap to the last snap, had a towel in one hand and in his and was going like this, was throwing both hands up in the air with a towel. All like literally every snap for the entire awesome. game, and I was That's like, awesome. now that I'm thinking about it, that is like Nick Sirianni. Like that is just kind of what he does uh, for Philly. He just yells and, and yells. has a towel and just kind of waves it around. But the number one the fan, fuck? he like always looks super mad on the side, of it. like super <laughs> mad or confused. Highest paid fan, yeah. Nick Sirianni. Yeah, it's kind of like it's like yeah. it's like a skinnier Mike McCarthy. <laughs> no, and, Mike has too much power. Sirianni more likable. Yeah, no, super, super unlikable. Yeah. Um, All right. Let's wrap it up here, fellas. Uh, We will be be back for a betting pod later this week. A lot of NFL to talk about. Maybe uh, maybe we'll do a CFP prediction, too. But uh, Mm. thank you for listening and happy new year and peace. Letty, it feels like I haven't talked to you since last year. It's been so, so long. Too long. Too, too long. I miss you, I miss you, too. We're going to start off this new year. By talking about a very interesting trade that went down, one of my favorite trades that's happened in the last couple of years because it's a old school NBA player for player trade, and that trade in yeah. question has to do with Ryan Ledwood's favorite NBA team, the New York Knicks, sending over Emmanuel Quickly, R.J. Barrett, and I believe a pick to the Raptors, second rounder, uh, second rounder to the Raptors for OG Ananobi, Precious, Precious Achua. And Malachi what? Flynn. Tongue twister. Yeah, quite uh-huh. hard to say. Um what Just is your initial people. what's your initial reaction to this trade, Letty? I want to break it up into two reactions because I want to talk about my reaction when the trade actually happened, and then I want to talk about what I thought about it after seeing OG play yesterday against the Timberwolves. Yes. So at first, I thought we got fleeced. I was like, oh fuck, we just gave up so much offensive production and like the 20 points a game that RJ has and then the 15, 16 a game that quickly scores off the bench. And I think, or I thought that we gave up 
one of our biggest strengths, the team who doesn't really have two of those top upper echelon stars, which is our bench in Emmanuel quickly, who's such, such a spark plug who could like change. Like we would have times where our second unit would be dominating games and they'd be playing a lot better than the, than the first unit. So I was mad that our bench is kind of depleted now without quick. And then I also thought it was a little fishy that we gave up like our big trade package, like our young big trade package that other teams would want to build players around like quick and like RJ for a guy who isn't even the superstar. That's going to get us like over the hump to contend for championships. Cause that's not where we are right now, even with OG. And then I heard that OG Ananobi's agent, one of his agents is Leon Rose's kid. So I was like, dude, what the fuck? So we just overpaid pretty highly just because Liam Rose is obviously the general manager of the Knicks. So just because Liam Rose's kid is OG Ananobi's agent, which I was not happy about. Okay. That's okay. That's okay. your first reaction. So that's that right. first. Okay. Yeah. You that's want my me to react? first reaction. Do you want me to react to your reaction? Or do yeah. You want what to do you produce? think about that? Okay. Sure. There's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, I think I I didn't really think about the Leon Rose aspect of it. I don't think they overpaid though. I thought I thought this was a really good trade. Okay. Because yeah, let's be real. This RJ twenty points per game. It's like if he scores fifteen points one game and then like you know twenty five the next. Like he's not and it's not like he's getting twenty points every game. There's nights where he is extremely poor at scoring the basketball and he doesn't seem engaged and um you know just has bad nights and i think Mm -hmm. you're gonna see his point total go down in toronto but i think you're actually getting an answer from him this was a move that the knicks needed to make i feel like because you're probably gonna lose barrett in the near future or you're gonna end up overpaying him and we don't actually know the answer on what he is as an asset right now yeah i I agree he, he might be like an upper echelon role player, or he might just be a regular role player, or he might even be, you know, a low, low tier star, but we don't know yet. We're going to get that answer when he's in Toronto. But with, I understand, like, I agree your bench is your best asset for the Knicks team, but I, yep. but you're getting back a, two good bench players in precious and Malachi Flynn. Now Malachi Flynn's had a little bit of an off year, um, but he's a point guard. He can score really well. I think Thibodeau will really like him. And Precious, we saw come in and play right away for the Knicks last night. And I think he'll play and get a lot of good minutes. And I mean, obviously, they're not, those two guys aren't up to the standards that Quickly and Barrett were for the Knicks. Uh However, OG, it brings kind of exactly what the Knicks needed, which is uh, perimeter defense. They're one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA. And part of that is because Mitchell Robinson went out. They're ranked 21st in defensive Uh rating. Um, and obviously that has to do with them losing Mitchell Robinson, who was a focal point for them. But their perimeter defense, when you have Brunson and quickly or Brunson and Barrett out there, is uh, terrible. But with OG there, he is an elite defender who can defend almost every position. So adding him yeah. as a wing defender is really important for the Knicks. And I think we saw last night Huge. the the corner three and the threes off of Brunson's penetration is just going to be there for him. So if he can be a really solid three and D guys, if he can be a really solid three and D guy for you guys, that's a win in my opinion. Definitely. I agree. I agree with all that. I agree. I didn't think that once the trade happened, but once I saw him play, then that was kind of the revelation that I had. And then I saw more of Leon Rose's vision. Um, But I also, I RJ Barrett's time here was done. Like, like you said, he would, 
he'd play well. For, we'd see him play well for like 10 games. And then the next 10 games, we'd be like, this guy cannot be in the lineup to close out a game for shit. Like, and the incon- inconsistency as a guy who's like supposed to be your second, third option, like a big time scorer on this team is just so frustrating as a fan. Like, it's just not, it's not winning. It's not a winning formula. Um, and he is on a pretty big contract. It's like close to 30 million a year for the next three years. Yeah. And like you said, like, I'm not, I'm not really even sure how much higher his peak is than where it's at right now. Like, unless he really starts shooting the shit out of the ball, which it doesn't even look like he wants to shoot this year. He played well for the first 10 games, but then after that, he's just been like trying to get all the way to the rim, which it just isn't working for him. Um, so I, I don't know. And I could see him kind of having like a dead weight contract similar to like Tobias Harris, where it's like a monster contract that is he's supposed to be your third option. And he kind of has handicapped the Sixers on making big moves for some time now. Like they no team, you can't get rid of him. Like you can't unload him. Yeah. And and then you go, I mean, you go. it's it's year it's what year four. And I feel like by year four, you kind of usually have an answer on what your player is at that point. Yeah. Either you've seen enough where it's like, all right, this guy is something special, or you've seen too little where you're like, all right, this guy probably isn't anything uh too crazy. And yeah, RJ's kind of in I feel that like he's middle. in between that, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So Grant, like it was gonna be tough for him to succeed with how this current Knicks roster is constructed, him and Emmanuel quickly. Uh quickly was just wasting away on the bench. It's clear that he is a starting That's caliber fine. player. And I, I think you actually kind of saw it granted. This was, you know, the first game. So OG's still learning everything, but uh-huh. I thought that OG did not get enough touches in that Knicks game that we just watched yesterday. And I'm a little uh-huh. afraid that his offensive production is going to take a really downhill turn. And I think people are going to use that to say that OG is, you know, not a very good player and things of that nature, but I do think any casual, any casual might say that looking at, his, I agree, at the I agree. Not, score, not us, but, not us, but casuals would no, not us savants, not us savants. Um, but I do, I like, we saw it yesterday. Like there was a lot of opportunities for Randall to pass out of double teams where he instead took a long jumper or went to the rim. Now Randall was really, really good last night. He played really well. He had like 30 mm-hmm. points, nine rebounds, something like that, but 40, oh yeah, 40 points, he had 40, nine, 39, excuse me, 39. Yeah. Um, excuse you is right excuse me but put some respect on my boy's name my bad on that one however i am a little worried because i do i do wonder if there's enough touches to go around because we're worried about it with barrett now barrett like we said was averaging 20 points a game so maybe those 20 points plus a little bit of a man of uh quickly's 15 go to og but in my opinion Mm -hmm. i think you're bringing him over to this Knicks team for defense and if he can hit the occasional shot and you know get the occasional rebound um that's awesome. And admittedly, I didn't watch a ton of Toronto because I was just so fucking bored of that team. And I'm yeah, so happy they made this trade. I agree. Yeah. And I forgot how big OG and Nobi is. Oh, my. Yeah. And I think that's the best part about this trade is you're talking about how you think maybe like his offensive role could be hindered a little bit playing alongside like two isolation players in Brunson and Brunson and Julius. But I think that's why he fits so well. And that's why like the trade market was so huge for him, especially at like last deadline is because he can fit anywhere. And we saw it last night where he didn't know any of the plays and he didn't know what he was doing. And he was just cutting to the basket. Like he was, he just, his basketball instincts kind of took over and he was just in the right spot at the right time. And when you have a guy like Brunson who could drive and get so deep into the paint, 
um, and then kick it out to the corner. Like a player like OG is huge for him who Brunson was reaping the benefits last night. He had 14 assists and OG was definitely a big part of this and a big part of this new look next with all this great spacing. Yeah. Which is, it, it was, you guys kind of, that's what you needed. You needed spacing. You, you kind of were a tad bit redundant. Um, obviously this is also, uh, I guess management kind of taking a chance on Quentin Grimes. I believe that they think that he's something yes. that they can mold into a better prospect. He's a really good prospect already, but we saw last yeah. night he got a good amount of playing time and it's pretty evident that they are kind of looking to bring him into that uh, manual quickly role as well as DiVincenzo. I know he's been stinking as of late, but he's been someone yeah. that's been in and out of the starting lineup, clearly someone that they think they can elevate uh, his role and same with Josh Hart as well. So there's this yes, team, yes. when you have a backcourt of like Josh Hart, OG Ananobi, um, you know, Mal, if you had like Malachi Flynn at the point, that's like a really solid defensive team already. So I'm excited to see uh, what happens with the Knicks. Let's go to the Raptors now, because this is actually the side that I'm more excited about because finally the Raptors made a move and it's kind of like a, can I do, can I do one, uh, yeah, give me give me your last thing. Can I do one? Sorry, you just you cut out and then you sped up really fast. That kind of skewed me out. But you did, or I just want to do one last main takeaway for the Knicks team for this trade. So I think like the most important thing to say is it puts us in the second tier in the East. I think, yeah. I think it puts us along with the 76ers and it puts us above like the Heat, the Magic, Pacers, Cavs, all those like middle of the pack. Not knowing what the Heat are going to do in the playoffs, but for the regular season at least. Um. I also think I read something the other day that said because Leon Rose's kid is OG's agent, he would be willing to take less money on his player option if he was playing in New York. So the reason that something like that is huge is because now it gives the Knicks the flexibility to get another big star if one becomes available, being able to pay another big star if one becomes available. Um, so I think like if I had to grade this trade, I'd, I'd give the Knicks like a B plus around there just because – I think this is like more of a connector trade than this is, this isn't like our big swing. Like we still do have picks that we can give up. We still have a couple young assets, like you said, and like Quinny Grimes and like Hartstein could probably be a decent asset right now. Um, you can trade so, a yeah. injured Robinson as well. Like yes. That would be exactly. shitty, but Mitchell you can Robinson. trade. Yeah. You have yeah. expirings uh, that you can use to make moves. I've heard like Bill Simmons has talked about bringing in Jordan Clarkson. That's like another fringe move. Mm-hmm. But that would be something that could, you know, maybe put you guys over at the top tier of like, you know, the top part of the second, second tier. tier, top of the second. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Or you can make a big swing and go after Donovan Mitchell, or go after. I don't think you would get Siakam now because you already traded with Toronto, but you can go, no. you know, yeah. get another big star if that one becomes available. I really, the only names I'm. I've like seen on the market are DeJounte Murray and Siakam and Donovan Mitchell yeah. are the three. Now DeJounte Murray would be someone that's kind of interesting. I don't know if you would do that move because you already have Brunson, you already have OG. And I mean, I don't know if you wanted to add another guard. You just saw that you guys were already pretty redundant with guards and needed to, mm-hmm. you know, kind of trade out of that position. So I don't know what they do next, uh, but you never know who the next unhappy star is. And the Knicks have kind of put themselves in position to, you know, go after that star. Uh, you ready for the Raptors segment of this? Yeah. Len? All right. Let's do this. So I'm, I'm extremely excited about this from the Raptors point of view, because obviously RJ is Canadian and was a Raptors fan growing up. And 
this would this would be in my opinion where you kind of get your you do get your answer from him because he's going to age into the rest of his contract age into his prime here and he's going to be home and i i'm very interested to see what kind of dimensions he adds to his game as he ages in that area where he probably feels most comfortable he plays for team canada all that and the real part of this trade that I found interesting watching the Raptors last night is it's pretty evident that this trade was a package centered around Emmanuel quickly, not centered Uh around RJ as you would probably expect. It's pretty evident that just the way they played last night, that Emmanuel quickly is going to be kind of the main guy on this team. And I think Pascal Siakam has become a lot more expendable with this trade. It's evident that they want to go a tad bit younger and build around the core of Barnes. Fit the Scotty Barnes timeline. Yeah, exactly. So this team is now a lot uh, inherently a lot more interesting. I'm interested in what they get for Siakam, but I also wouldn't mind terribly if they kept him at this point. But I last night it was just pretty evident that Emmanuel quickly is going to be running the show there, and that's uh-huh. going to be really focused on him because he had the ball in his hands the majority of the game last night. And even though he just got there, he was really playing well, and I was impressed with how he played. But what was your first impression of the new look Raptors? Um. I think this is why it's like it's this is a win-win trade is because I, the Raptors look so much better offensively. Their defense is still solid. Um, they look so much better, so much faster offensively. Now they have more options to score the ball, um, and I don't really, I don't really love the combination of Scotty Barnes and RJ Barrett together. But just because they're both more drive heavy, get to the basket type players, as opposed to the spacing that we were talking about that's working for the Knicks right now. Like they're both going to kind of cram the lane and that's what RJ does. Um, but now this Raptors team kind of has a direction, which is nice. Like they're not middle of the pack eight seed in the East with like middle-aged all like borderline all-star players. Now it's like, we have this timeline we want to fit. We have probably our point guard in the future in Emmanuel quickly, who's going to get paid probably around like $25 million this off season. Um, so I, I like it for them and I like how they, they chose a direction. Um, I think they should get rid of like some of their veterans like Schroeder and Jakob portal. Jakob portal portal should be in the portal Purtle. should be on the trade portal. 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 Um, yeah, that he should, he should, he's not fitting the timeline. I think they can get rid of him and hopefully get like the first, back that they traded to uh the spurs um yeah i mean yeah i, well, I, I want to see siakam i want to see siakam get moved i think i think that's where next just for like some younger guys actually would be fine if they kept Pirtle just because i mean there's kind of this you know idea that every time you rebuild or you're retooling on the fly you have to you you can't have any veterans on your team it has to all be young guys but in reality, it's when you're rebuilding like that, you want to have the timeline, but you also want to have some of the vets there to add, you know, knowledge Definitely. and just just to be adults in the room. And you see that yeah, with yeah. Celtics on a microcosm of that. It's just they have like their core that fits the timeline, but then you have guys like Al Horford uh, and uh, they had smart who are, you know, older guys that kind of um, brought a veteran presence to everything. Um, yeah. For Toronto, this is a very classic Toronto move. And I was trying to figure out why this is, but Toronto's never done an actual full rebuild where they've been terrible and they've always retooled 
instead uh-huh. and rebuilt on the fly. This is another example of that. They're not doing full rebuild. They're just retooling. And uh-huh. they kind of gave themselves a couple more years. And I was thinking that it must be because the market there, right, where Canada is the dominant sport or hockey is the dominant sport in Canada. And I feel like part of this must be that they can't be that horrific, like Pistons level bad for too long, or they're got to be worried about, you know, losing that amount of money and losing that amount of interest. Yeah. Cause that is just not the sport in that country. They got to, they got to yeah. compete with hockey there and they got to stay relevant somehow. And that was just kind of my hypothesis on why they always retool rather than rebuild. But this is a complete retooling and I'm very excited with it. I am extremely interested in seeing how quickly pans out and what he looks like, because I think I know what Barrett is. I'm not a huge Barrett guy. I think he's shown flashes, but I've never really been a massive Barrett guy. I I feel like I kind of know what he is, but quickly is the one where I felt like the Knicks were doing him kind of a disservice and we're not letting him truly flourish. So I'm really excited to see what he can become. If he becomes like a Tyrese Maxey level, you know, guy i feel like that is well within his future so i'm excited to see that definitely yeah. same i think he could explode with these extra reps and a team being his like the starting point guard job i think he could he could be low-level all-star too and i i'm not gonna lie i think he might have a better chance of being a low-level all-star than rj barrett does Andre, i i agree with that i actually i like uh quickly as a prospect a lot more than i like barrett as a prospect yes and that's just because he's a little bit younger and Although Bear has had those flashes, I feel like quickly gives me the maybe it's just because I'm a Celtics fan and quickly torches the Celtics every time he plays them. But yeah, I, I do I do feel like I'm gonna just, miss that man. Damn. Yeah, that's gonna yeah, that sucks for you guys. Um okay, any final thoughts on this trade as a whole? Anything you want to say? I feel like we covered um, it pretty well. I don't know that we were pretty efficient there. Uh what would what grade would you give the Raptors for this trade? Uh this is A and A, I feel like both both teams yeah. get an A for me. Because yeah, I know I know, I mean I'm sure you're not watching like a ton of precious Achua minutes, but I'm t- I, I'm telling you, I, I with the first text from Letty just a little behind the scenes. The first text from Letty, he was a little, well, first he went radio silent. We spammed your phone, and you were gone. Skiing. I don't know what I don't know what you're doing. Okay, skiing, sure. Yeah, he's right. He was hitting the slopes. I'm sure. And then definitely wasn't crying in my room. Yeah. watching quickly highlights. Exactly. Then he then he hit us back with some sad sadness, kind of. Well, he wasn't answering. He just was liking sent messages. So it was like it was like trying to read a riddle. I had so too many texts. I had too many texts going on. Too many emotions yeah. going on. To put it into words, I was speechless. I know. And then butts butts was doing a classic butts where he was he was like very mad about it on the Knicks end. But me and Jordan were pretty moderate. We kind of liked the trade from both sides. And then I yeah. just don't think Butsy has ever watched Precious play because uh-uh. Jordan and I's kind of main thing was that you actually got a player back in him who's someone that will play for you guys and will play pretty solid minutes. And especially like you guys are very lost some size with uh, Mitchell Robinson going out. You need, you know, a backup Definitely. center. And, and Precious is undersized, but he's a serviceable, you know, backup center on some nights that you might need him to do so. And then Malachi Flynn is just feels like a nick he feels like a nick to me so i i i'm all I'm, i think this is an a for, i don't know he just is like a like a, a hard nose just kind of quick he kind of reminds Ready? me of, of divincenzo a tiny bit kind of because they look alike they're i was gonna except, say they both yeah. like the gingerish like the ginger yeah, black kind of the thing, ginger black which is a cool situation. thing to do i should i should cool. try and start that i think malachi flynn is actually black so dante oh, is, is not 
Dante's Jesus white. has red hair. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Dante's white, but Malachi Flynn, I believe, is mixed. Um, but yeah, all right. Okay. So before we go further and get ourselves in any trouble, uh, yeah, that's our that was our analysis on the Raptors and Knicks trade. We're gonna be back later in the week with some more. I think we're gonna be talking NFL, but me and Letty are gonna do some more NBA stuff later in the week as uh, you know, we kind of wind down the NFL season and ramp up NBA stuff. I believe there's going to be some more trades coming soon. I feel like that's in the water right now. Do you agree? Yes, definitely. A lot yeah. of players that have been on the trade market for a while that I think are going to wind up getting moved. Yeah, I, I don't think we're going to see a ton of big moves, but I think we're going to see a lot of teams going for it and making smaller role player moves that are going to be really interesting to basketball nerds like us and like you guys. So, yeah, yeah. thank you all for listening. We'll be back later in the week and peace. Peace.